Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Carrying Through the Matrix on the 13th of December 2020. And if I sound a bit crackly in the voice, it's because the air is so dry, because all the snow been getting up here. However, that's just a triviality, isn't it? One of these little things that happen to you every year. Yeah, we're going, we're in the mouth of madness now, eh? We're truly in it, because all you hear now is madness. And it's not by accident. Much of it is, is by design. Uh, the rest of it's falling in on the big plan without even realizing it. Because people are arguing and fighting with each other like never before. They don't realize these, this is all your psyops and so on. It's been on for years and years and years. And your cyber warfare is all part of it too. Because it didn't start with COVID coming along. It didn't start with uh, getting official fact checkers, you know, the, the true Soviet system. Because that's what, that's what you had in the Soviet Union. You had the truth ones, you know, you had your Pravda and so on. The truth, everything else was kind of banned or you'd be in prison if you kept promulgating ideas contrary to the state's decrees. And uh, in the state's opinions or versions of how life was. And we've got the same system here. It's just, it's quite amazing that we can be in the same kind of scenario. We can call one attorney when it was all going on, but when it happens in your own countries, and they even have half the population, or at least a, a, some of the population, on board with them, believing it's all real, just like they did in the Soviet Union. That's what they do. They, they count on creating an army of nodders. They call it echo chambers, who just all part the same official statistics, etc., on whatever the topic happens to be. And, and they part, just part round in circles, an echo chamber type thing. If you're outside of the echo chamber, they notice you right away naturally, and then they come for you. First of all, they try to ban you, and that's standard stuff. And but they also, and you can get, you get little inklings of it too, in the COVID exercises that they had, the Vent 201 and other ones that they had, the, the Cladex, etc. And the one in 2010 by the Rockefeller Foundation, and part of it then was Lockstaff, you know. So they have they have these ongoing exercises where they bring in the media, who are already sworn to be on board with it, and the social media, by the way, the big platforms, and the, your browser heads, not CEOs of browsers, everything. All these things, they're all on board with the same agenda. That's totalitarianism when you've got that, where they're all spewing the authorized uh, government spiel. You can't have that in a free society. The very fact that you, you, you've, you've been forced into this in a supposed free society means it's not real anymore. I hope you realize that. It's not real anymore at all. And they can never ever, especially in science with COVID and so on, you can never have the ultimate authority saying this is how it really is, is 100% accurate, because science doesn't work like that. Science has always gone over and over and over, down through many, many, many years, and sometimes 50 years later, they'll give you a different version of the processes of something or the causes of something, etc. Because it's all based on mainly on theories, you know, empirical evidence and testing, retesting. When they can't get that as theories, which are just uh, authorized guesses that they'll get on board with, for a period of time but it makes no difference the fact is government is not supposed to be completely on board 100% with authorised versions or topic on anything at all you know? it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong or whatever it's not up to them to decide what people think in a free society so therefore you don't have a free society and that's the message this is the new system that you're already in and it comprises all the same techniques I've mentioned before that the military has been using abroad in all the countries in the color revolutions and the, and, and their uh, taking down of governments that weren't secular enough as they call it, like Egypt. Uh, it's all done by the West financing it and the NGOs that the employees armies of NGOs. They're just, they're just asses. They're trained asses. Uh, the leaders are with pension plans and the whole bit, these non-governmental organizations. And they go into the countries, they know how to organize dissidents. They actually have that in their manual for unconventional warfare, and how it's all done. And that's put out by the military, these manuals, you know. So you're living in it, through it right now, in your own countries. And I said this would happen when the big eating machine comes back to the, to the States and Canada and the West. And then starts eating you, because you've basically fulfilled your purpose pretty well. And your purpose 
is never given to you openly. You can figure it out, you know, bits and pieces and so on, from the proper authorities, you might say. But, uh, yeah, you, your, your purpose is almost over. And the, the last, oh, well, pretty well 100 years has been part of an agenda, which has been widely published, actually, if you look into the different books put out by the agencies that are involved in them. And uh, they, they mentioned how they'd bring America up. They did, the U.S. up. It would take over from Britain, the policemen of the world, and, and then it would be strengthened after World War II for that purpose. Massive tax base, big industry at the time. And eventually, of course, once they take it into a service economy, which is giving all your industry to another country, which they did with the GATT agreements and the NAFTA agreements with, with Mexico and so on, and other Latin American countries, not just Mexico, by the way. Uh, then uh, you find that your, your, all your manufacturing base is gone. You, you paid for it to go over to China and the Far East through free trade agreements and India now too, with the Pacific Agreement too. And they, they lumped Indian with that. But, but so this is, you're living through an agenda. And as I say, folks don't ever really, they don't really know because you adapt. In the middle of a stampede, you adapt quicker. I've mentioned it so many times. Once you, they get you running and scared and, and, and unsure of everything and unsure of the future, unsure of everything and your own safety for that matter, then you'll adapt much quicker in the authorized pointing to where you're supposed to adapt to. And most folk are already doing it and out of fear basically. You cannot have in the one year, you can't have it. You can't have a pandemic breaking out across the world. You can't have the uniform response to it across the world. They're all in lockstep with with each other and the same parts of the agenda at the same time. You can't have the lockdown and the eradication of most of what's left of your service economy and your restaurants and your small stores and so on. That's what a service economy is. You don't make anything anymore. You import things, but you, you, you sell them within your own country. That's what you paid to, to do through your taxes for years without even noticing. Most of adapted even through that. Even the folk who were laid off from factories, as it, as it took the factories that literally from away from under your feet, they pulled them away through agreements. All your politicians were on board with it. All parties were on board with it across the world. And you saw the outcome. All the tax base that used to go from all Parts of manufacturing from raw material yep, to the finished products were all taxed in stages. That's all gone and it had to be uh, filled by increasing taxes on consumer goods at home and in income taxes. So you fill the big gap. Tax to death. And it's just quite astonishing to really notice the <laughs> how folk never really figure out what system they're actually in. Especially during transitions, as they say, this is the, the century for our transition. This is the great change century. Where all this, a lot of it has to be accomplished by that way. Step by step, all the way up in segments up until, up until the end of the century, you see. And we're living through it. So we're 20 years in, almost 21 years into it or so. And they've accomplished quite a bit already. And then they give you in the same year, they give you a coronavirus, a lockdown, eradication of an economy, mass, uh, would appear to the public from their perspective be a, a communist uprisings across U.S. states and across the world actually under different guises but well-funded, well-organized, well-trained leaders across the world. And all of that smacks obviously of the big global intelligence agency, obviously. Because no country stopped it. No country went ahead and said, that's it. And go, no, no. In fact, they allowed it to happen. And even kept people from counter-protests from happening against it all. And you watch the cities burn inside the states, etc. You had admissions from some of the leaders of the money they got from certain foundations to do it. They, mentioned, they also mentioned that they were communists and trained Marxists. And you also had it from some of the I think Kamala Harris and Pelosi mentioned it too, that, that, that these riots wouldn't stop after the elections either, didn't, regardless of who would get in. And sure enough, that they're continuing. 
Because now you're being trained for the breakup into a different kind of U.S. A socialized system, which of course is the Great Reset too. It's a persistenability, as they call it. It's many, many names for the same thing. That's why you, when it all smells the same thing, same, you know it is the same, and you know they're all connected. All these piles of do are all connected to each other. They're all actually from the same pile, really. And they're meant to obfuscate the whole uh, what it actually is by pretending they're different segments of it. But it's all the same thing. A whole new way of living, which is not really living, it's an existing system. You would exist in it, and authorities will decide how much you eat, what you eat, if you eat at all, and why they should allow you to even eat, because you all have to have a value for the system you're now in, the true socialist technocratic system. I've gone over it so many times over many, many, many years, and I said all this would happen years ago. Everything is happening now, it's happening. Because they, they give you lots of clues and, and little leaks here and there, and they even publish books about it. And, and every year you watch them going off to Davos and you, you have the World Economic Forum, because it, it isn't just that they all gathered there for a meeting. Davos is actually a massive bureaucracy that's permanent there. They, they, they take future world leaders. They have the, a whole system throughout the world, a network, where they, they, they get the right ones at school. Just like the CIA, you see, it's all connected. And high school, you pick them, and then you send them off to get for, for their training. And then you put them in positions of power eventually. You train future leaders. They have different, another branch of it in the U.S., common purpose, which literally is all through government, all through the military, all through the police force, and so on, and higher, higher echelons of them all. And really, uh, under any other system, if it wasn't authorized, then they would be all guilty of all kinds of things, subversion, treason, and so on, that they're not getting charged, because that is the system. Those who own the system own all of this that you're seeing today. And I said that when 9-11 happened, hang on to your sanity, because because it would be the hardest thing to hold on to, because they had a whole list of stuff they wanted to do to change society. And you're going through it all. Right down to your perceptions of who you are or what you are. That's all, all been challenged. And by force and law, you're ordered to accept it all, even though it makes no sense to you. And y'all know, y'all know what the different topics I'm talking about. It's not a matter of live and let live. No, it's just that you must all accept this as true and real and so on. Or else, well, that's what you had in the Soviet system. This is, this is where they tried all this kind of mind altering, Propaganda and techniques out was the Soviet system. That's why you have, and you see it in the lives of others. You see it in exposés on the Soviet system and good documentaries too. They try different techniques on the public. You see it in, on the psychiatric hospitals that flourished in the Soviet system because they didn't. It's the same in the West now. You don't need trials to see if you're diagnosed as mentally ill. So you don't get your day in court. It bypasses that. No one hears you or your point of view. That's what they did also with the Unabomber. Quite an amazing story that came out from from Germany. The, the, the documentary they did on the Unabomber too and how they bypassed any court hearings where he could voice what he was saying, why he was doing it and so on. And it's quite interesting, even that, you see. Because he's been labeled a madman, a crazy person, even though he was a professor member at a high university. And he knew the main characters he was after, who did actually, they actually worked with him, recruited him, and even experimented on him in different techniques. And he said what they were bringing in was a hell on earth, you know, of literally mind-altering systems. That's what it was all about. That was, so, so he's a bad guy, says authority, see the authorities, However, you've been watching so-called demonstrations for a good part of the year in the States and different parts of the world, all connected, all coordinated with burning down of, of, of buildings, streets, businesses, people getting attacked. And, but they're okay. They're, they're, no pro, they're protesting. But the unit bomber's a bad guy. Do you understand? It's, it's like basic philosophy. You've got to have consistency and logic. If there's inconsistency, well, they can do it, the same things, and they're good. And these ones, are, they, they can do it, but they're bad. That, that's not philosophy, you see. That's, that's someone's agenda. 
And then you have to figure, all you have to do is figure out whose agenda is and why it's backed, you see. And it's always to suit. It's like a book I read years ago, but the big, big changes in the world was always, they always, the changes always came out. It doesn't matter what it was, if it's a reset or a devaluation of your currency or the crash of 2007 and 8 which was brought on and planned way in advance, you know, by the, the big bankers. And it's always to suit the big bankers and the wealthiest folk on the planet. All things are, including the wars. Ultimately, it's, it's always to do with, uh, they're, they're massive businesses, but they're also like a brotherhood. You know, they work together naturally for their own benefit. And that is uh, the problem with, with anything that, that humanity does. It doesn't matter if it's a government or a, or a league of governments or a league of bankers or whatever, you'll always end up with the same problem. They look after themselves and their own interests. Even though they might have minor competition as to who gets contracts and things, just like the COVID vaccine companies all competing, supposedly. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. It doesn't matter if theirs gets used because they all get millions and sometimes billions of dollars thrown at them by our tax money. So technically they can't lose, even if no one gets it, for instance. It's been paid for by the government. And so, yeah, that they'll all have a competition once in a while and appear to be enemies, but on the whole for the rest of the year in between the vaccinations and, and vying for contracts, they're a big brotherhood, a big consortium. They get together and plan things. A cartel. And our whole system stinks of cartels. And then the cartels, all, uh, not just are connected with each other and their own industries, so they also start to branch out and into politics and everything else. And that's what lobbying is. Lobbying is a, just an utterly corrupt pile of you-know-what. Because it's, uh, if you did what they did uh, with insider trading, and you're not allowed to do insider trading, although the U.S. Uh, Congress is, you know, because they passed a law a few years ago to allow themselves to do it. So you'd be charged for the same thing, but they, they're not charged. But the main point is, you can't have all these things happening in the one year. And and then you saw the elections. Every newspaper that belongs to the same world cartel, they all do. They all do, same with the banks and the cartel. They're all on board together because they're instrumental in media. Always, always have been for formulating unified opinion. You can't have contrary opinions in a free society. You might actually want more freedom. So they give you standardized, authorized opinion, you see. And that's why they're on board with it. I gave these talks in the late 1900s, you know, but 1998, 99. And we're living through it again. It's just never changes because it's the same agenda by the same folks and the same organizations that planned this a long, long time ago. But most folk never, they get caught up in the emotion of today, you see, and they can't reflect back. So wait a minute here, this can't all be happening in the same year. Something bigger is going on. Of course something's bigger, bigger is going on. Of course it is. They've been telling that for you. We can't go on like this. We've been having all these meetings for years. We changed from basic eugenics and superior and inferior types. And, and the Superman, you know, uh, of George Bernard Shaw, you know, man and Superman. And you always blame the Nazis. It was, he was long before the Nazis. He came out all this stuff. And he said, you know, he said the person of the future will, will have to adapt into technology. And be useful in technology and know how to take things apart and put them together in this. And he said uh, that, that those who couldn't adapt would have to, we should be eliminated, you know, quite casually. This is a good socialist, of course. Because socialists believe in efficiency. They never achieve it. They're just the opposite, in fact. But uh, they always prattle about it to get followers, to get into power. And I've watched this game my whole life long with socialism and, and capitalism and or right wing, left wing. Britain was a great example. Britain was one of the best examples, actually, because Britain went into World War II with a great propaganda spiel for the public to get them on board with war. You've, got, you've always got to get them on board with, by kind of like COVID, only they used Germany. 
They said, you're all going to get gassed in Britain and then, and then you'll get, you'll get sterilized if the Nazis come in and take over. You see? Big, massive propaganda blues. Well, that would get anybody kind of scared. And, oh, they can't do that. Oh, well, you know, you can always go to war with them. Okay then. And away you went. It's quite simple. Terrified the public first. The, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, according to Carl Quigley, who had their record, he was access to their archives, their, their private histories of how they were involved in everything and made things happen. And yeah, they did that. And they got the big moguls of, of the media in Britain, who all met at the same clubs, mainly in London. And they got together and decided, you know, this war might not, that we're planning might not take off. If it can't get public support, so they, they sat, they decided to put a propaganda blitz on the public to terrify them with guys digging in the trenches in the streets of London, just like they're putting up tre- the big tents for the last year, this whole year here. Oh, for COVID, there's number, never anybody in them. That doesn't matter. It's the same technique of terrifying passers-by. Oh my, look, they're, they're digging trenches because, because we're all going to get gassed by Germany. That was never going to happen, you know. They knew that. And then to, 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 to intensify the belief that they're all going to get gassed, they gave everybody uh, gas masks. Everybody had to carry these gas masks with them in a satchel or get fined. Or today it's a mask. You wear a mask. You see, same thing. You have it on or get fined or whatever. Same thing, folks. Same techniques. And it works awfully well, and you'll blame whoever you think is the cause of this, and you go and fight it. Oh yeah, they're fighting the COVID, just like they fought the Nazis, and by wearing masks, you see, etc., uh, etc. Et it doesn't have much to do with reality at all. But again, that came out of the actual meetings that they had in Britain with the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And the groups that ran it for, for Milner, that took over and so on. And, um, and they've never let it go since then, of course. But they get on board together with the same agenda. What we tell the public, what we do with them, how can we manipulate the public, and away it goes, you see. So Britain went into World War II to fight national socialism, and it came out of World War II as a national socialist country. And labor was in. And immediately you had wages being frozen. You had power cuts because because you couldn't conserve. Whenever the left gets in, the technocrats, if they took over the Sahara, there'd be a sudden shortage of sand. You know, if they needed to start building it to make cement, because that's a trick they always use. So everything goes up and prices go up. Although they said there were wages and, and price freezes. And then they nationalize everything. Now, all the, the companies that owned real industries were private, you see. So they nationalize it. Now, they're falling apart through years of misuse and no money getting put into them and so on. And so the government then, being Labour, under Harold Wilson, later on eventually, it started throwing the money into the real industry and different, um, and, and then to, to anything to do with energy, at that time it was gas. And coal gas mainly they used in the British counties. Every area had these massive, massive tanks for coal gas. And so they, they, they fix everything up. They put new pipes in for the gas and so on. They put new tanks in. Uh, they fix the roads. Um, Taxpayer funded. They go in and anything to do with, with uh, the, the superstructure of like, the nation, basically, they fix it up and pump the money into it. And the railroads, the same thing too. Let's get new trains, let's get new tracks, and they got diesel and all that kind of. And then, of course, you you have a few years of it on the go. Then you say, you know, we can't have that. There's too many folk getting put on the board. That's what you do with retirees as you climb the ladder because everything's corrupt. And you put them into the, on the board until you've got hundreds of people on the board at the top. They never have to attend anything. They just put on it for extra cash. The good old boy type thing. They do the same thing in post offices too. Anything the government runs and owns, they do this all the time. Or, or even the air companies too. So eventually, of course, they have too many chiefs and they can't get big paid fat salaries, big fat ones, and bonuses and stuff for sitting there chuckling at how great their life has been. And the taxpayer funding and all. And eventually, we can't cope with this, so they privatize it again. 
So, so the guys come, they get the right guys, the authorized guys, <laughs> come in and pretend to put bids in. And uh, as all bids tell you, that the one who is the lowest bid for to buy everything or do anything or even fix something or build something won't necessarily be the ones who get the contracts. That's your, that's them letting you know. It's all predetermined who's going to get what. <laughs> and so the big boys come in and, and they buy over everything again and they buy over the energy supply companies and they buy over the railroad companies, all brand new, sparkling new everything uh, for peanuts. And the taxpayers already paid for all and they're on the hook for mortgages almost, mortgages for the, for this kind of stuff. It's never really fully paid up, eh? It's all put in your tab. But the big companies and private, public private partnerships get all pretty well almost for nothing. And the public are left paying the tabs and the maintenance. And that's the beauty of public-private partnerships, which is a good way of saying it's a collectivist socialist system. That's why all royalties on board was it, by the way. Population control, reduction of population, excess people, that's standard socialism. And uh, and government running every aspect of your life, right down to if you could, can you breed or not, if they're going to allow you and give you permission to do it. This like China for so long with this one-child policies and so on. Enforced abortions. And they get the West even clapping. Well, you know, there's maybe too many of those Chinese, you know. And they, they don't realize, no, you've already signed deals with China and your own countries to depopulate. That These are all part of international agreements. They're on board with it. And they're seeing you the same way. Why would why would you? I keep giving that little little puzzle. Why would you, in a country like say Britain, and because Britain is a good example, after World War Two, you you've already have lots of guys coming home from the war, industries being built up during the war, for munitions. Same in Canada, actually. The UN even touted Canada as being one of the most successful industrial nations after World War II because of the massive money being pumped into building uh, manufacturing uh, things for the war, you know. And then they would sell off the manufacturing plants, but they could then manufacture other things. So Canada was, was really as one of the most successful and the more, most likely to succeed in the world. If they left that alone, that would have happened, you see. But anyway, yeah, you end up in socialism where everything is regulated. Uh, and that's why people in communism in, in Russia uh, had a little outburst occasionally in the, the, the Soviet bloc countries that have retaliations, rebellions, because they were, they were sick of this gloom and doom aspect and too many chiefs, again, these technocrats running their lives. These, these Politburo types, you know, the apparatchiks, etc., running your lives in the public. Because you had literally had inspectors for everything. And, and, I, and being living in Britain, you know, in my time, it was very socialist indeed. You had power cuts that always did that. Brownouts conserve energy. Increase the taxation of the public. According to Karl Marx, that's what you do, you see. Gradually increasing income tax in the Mar- in Carl's manifesto, and uh, and they even put up uh, documentaries. You can see them yet, or maybe if they're still up there. I don't know if they are on YouTube or anything. I got a set of disc ones with a lot of these public um, documentaries that Britain churned out like a machine, showing you in little simplistic, childish form. Very Soviet, actually, because that's how they put across in the Soviet Union. Is like they're talking to children, and of, here's your here's your pound note, your your currency, and here's a chunk of this going to this to pay off that debt, and and this other chunk goes to pay off that this other debt for for that munitions industry that for the war and the aircraft industry and the yada yada yada, and the interest to, to the bank loans to the U.S. because. That's who really won the war, more reason one, with the big banks in the U.S. at the end of it. So, you're living through a socialist agenda. They make it happen what they want to happen. And then they come forward and offer you the, the way out, which again is deeper into their more perfected system, of the same system of socialism. Folk never really figured it out.
And that's why, as I say, no one stopped the, the massive armies of non-governmental organizations that were men- mentioned as far back as the 1950s with the Rees Commission, as I mentioned in the States, the inquiry into the tax-free, uh, tax-exempt foundations. Seemed, these are the richest families that ran these foundations who owned them. And yes, it was a tax loophole for them, but it was also an investment program. They could invest their money under the guise of charity, understand? They could invest trillions if they want to. And also pay, this is the beauty of it too, you can pay any of your staff as much as you want. There's no law against what you want to pay them for charity. But they they literally fund, they fund thousands of non-governmental organizations across the entire planet. They train the leaders, they work, they also get massive funding from your tax money from your governments. Well, we're over there to help third world countries, you know. Says USAID, etc. And the people in USAID eventually, the South is students from universities, and then, but they all want to get into the foreign offices, foreign departments, or the state departments, career building. But in the meantime, they, they help, you know, alter the nations that they go into. That was going to the guys, just to make them American friendly, to say. As you, as you just unload all your, Charitable goods on them, which are often donated by the general public too, but definitely bought by them. And, and then again too, uh, you, you see them, if need be, would you overthrow this government? Let, let's try and, and get our students that in USAID and all, all the other companies and organizations, let's get them over to this country over there because we want to topple them and let's get them in, to, to work with the university students to, 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 to organize. Then you have marches, and, and then you have the standard CIA operation, where they hear you'll see, and they have the media on board with it naturally, and so and so will be marching, the students marching for rights, going through another like Iran, for instance, Tehran, and then someone always shoots them from from a rooftop somewhere, and then we'll see the government snipers, which isn't to get massive more sympathy by the public. And if need be, if they really have to think they can invade the country, they'll then use that, that base to overthrow within, and they'll also do the external invasion coming in from outside. And that's, that's the standard stuff. Standard stuff. There's a good documentary years ago put out, for instance, about the, the CIA's early involvement in Africa, they were all over the world overthrowing governments, just toppling them and of course the idea when you topple them is never to have folk note, at least the media mention who, who did it, you always throw it off and they blame somebody else or this, this upstart was wanting to take over in this little country and, and, uh, and this other person who represented this faction overthrew them no, it's the CIA behind it, that's what you do you fund them and train them and old stuff, all through Latin America too Bernays did it Ed Bernays, as you know, who worked with quite a few different um, presidents and governments in the U.S. And his, one of his biggest clients for public, for public relations, meaning uh, advertising and so on, and was a huge, huge company, American fruit company. And he, uh, in, in Latin America, and and eventually the, the, the country was so poor, because uh, they were running ruled by external forces, and mainly based in the U.S. <laughs> they were so poor, they wanted, they wanted someone of their own as president, so they elected a guy who immediately wanted to, to again, have more money from their labor and their work and their land and their orchards and all that, to go to the people themselves. And that was just not on with Bernays. And the companies that he represented, so he he formed a film organized like like kind of like Path News that were shown in the movie houses before TV. But he he formed a company and they churned out these videos that purport to be news. You see of how bad it was in different Latin American countries, especially this country, and how they were definitely going communist and yada yada, yada and horrible how horrible it was. 
uh, to get public opinion built up in preparation for invading them. And then he did get the U.S. with an agreement with the president at the time to invade the country. They overthrew the, the leader and installed the old regime again. And the American Fruit Company was was all back to happiness and high profits and and so on. And a good documentary they made years ago, but it didn't say showed you Richard Nixon, who was against the communists down there too. And they even set up by the CIA, they set up a, a fake altar in this uh, the ex-president, the one they overthrew in his home and and the Presidio, basically the, their own palace, if you like. Or house, an altar dedicated to communism. It was all set up just for the for the media again with Bernie. Just quite amazing propaganda. Must be true, you know. It was in a movie house, and today it must be true. It's on TV. Just too it's too simple, too easy, isn't it? And yet these are these are the mid level deceptions that you see. Most folk today are tied, completely tied up, arguing with each other. Back in in the nineties. When they talked about the coming challenge to the authorized spiel on things, basically. The, the authorities in the States, Hillary Clinton was probably about big time when she was in charge of one department. And Hillary was all in angst, basically, with the media, the coming media. And they knew from all the reports by again, NSA and CIA and so on, that this coming information warfare that would go on would have to be countered, and the official versions would have to be, you know, bolstered, basically. They talked about, the, the, they knew, too, and all, all the big newspaper media knew, all paper media knew, that they would lose control eventually, unless you got on board, and how are they going to get folk on, on a media platform to look at their particular news sites if they were just giving out the, the authorised spiel by governments, and so they planned all the different techniques to try to make people still go into news sites when they put them into the digital realm before all, before it all really happened. Eh? And how they would keep them on it. And again, you, you find maybe more and more raunchy stories, sex stories, celebrity stories, yada yada. But they also would need government funding to get propped up because they're official organs of the state. All discussed many years ago. Eh? And they didn't just discuss things at meetings, just like the Davos meeting or the Bilderberg. They actually implement plans, you see. They don't go for, it's not a hobby thing. Huh? And it's not somewhere they go and just let off steam, like a safety valve. No, they actually are part of the, the controlling systems. They all work together under one system. It is all one at the top. And those in the higher realms of it can change from, and be, you know, it's like CEO of one area one day and CEO of another the next. Again, no problem at all with that. They're not competing. They're part of the one big system. So they talked about how they would keep control and they'd have to probably put public money into supporting the news media companies, the big ones, to keep them going. And that's been happening ever since, as you well know. And the legions of these companies will always, because they're all bought and paid for, right, will always be on the side of government agendas, meaning that the CIA. <laughs> because do you really think that what you've seen for governments is run by the governments that you see? Do, do you really think that? Really? Huh? Do you really, really think that? You've been run by secret governments your entire lives, really, behind the scenes. You have front people who they're given a little bit of authority within a very small scope, actually, on how to operate and how to appear to the public. The presidents and prime ministers have all had their speechwriters. They write everything for them. I've said so many times, why not just do away with presidents and prime ministers and then just elect the best speechwriters and they write it all up for them, you see, anyway, you know, a lot cheaper. And that's pretty well what you've got anyway, really, you know. And then you got the NSA behind the things, and you got the CIA behind things, and and they they are not just a parallel government. Remember that there were books about this many years ago, even when the CIA first set up, they came out with different public. This is, this is a dangerous precedent, and who will be in charge of those people who are in charge? And so all these different art, and they published these things in magazines at the time. They knew it'd run away with them, and it did. It was intended to. 
because you're living in a planned future. That's the whole point of it all. And it went down from eugenics and too many people, even after World War II, when there's no problem, there's too many people, the wars didn't kill enough off, to how do we force or, or, or convince the people to have less children. And right down to, again, back to force. Let's force, well, let's, let's put under sustainability. That would be a better way of, of talking about it rather than we want just to kill a bunch of you, you off because just you're surplus, you know. Back to man and superman. And there's too many of surplus people. We don't need them for efficiency's sake. Huh? And that's how you do it. Just like Prince Philip said in his one of his speeches in Switzerland at the time. Or was this Sierra Club or wh- which one it was at the time? Because he's, he's, he's the head of a whole bunch of them where he was. Charles has taken them over and some of the other ones, is a member family, members of the family too. And he, he said, well, you know, after all, he said, after all, we have, you know, we know, we know, we have, we have, we have all this land, you know, we, we big land on us. And sometimes, sometimes we find that there's too many deer. Uh, moving into an area, uh, and that, that takes the fodder away from other little animals as well. And so we, we must do something. We have a, we have a call, you know, see? and uh, you know, looking at the world today, some, there's an awful lot of uh, excess people about, so, and and you see, that's that's what does it. Eh? That's what does it. These characters are completely on board with this getting rid of too many of you. Get, get rid of you. H.G. Wells said it. The World War I didn't kill enough people and they didn't give up their sovereignty to go into a world state, a socialist type system on behalf of the elite. So he said we need another war. He said the same thing at the end of World War II as well. Before he died. He was an awfully good employee, you know. Well paid for it too. A bit neurotic, mind you, but he was well paid for. And he had a lot of help. He didn't just sit there and write his little stories and embed the, the, the correct kind of propaganda uh, by himself. The same as he didn't uh, just write the, the non-fiction stories and books by himself. They all belonged to the same organizations and the Fabian societies and so on. And, and eventually he pretended he fell out with the Fabian society and became a higher member, a propagandist, which he already was actually. In hiding, I call it an, 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 a propagandist in hiding for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. The public's always been the enemy of them. They use you for their wars, your cannon fodder. They make money off it too. Uh, you pay off the, the, the loans that, that the governments take on you through your taxes. But there's, there's too many of you and it's time to do something about it. Charles Galton Darwin, who was a member of the Manhattan Project, for the atomic bomb, he, he, a eugenicist, you know, a scientist and a physicist and a eugenicist, well suited for making the atomic bomb. I mean, he really believed in doing it properly. And in his book, The Next Million Years, he didn't mince around about it. He he went straight to the point. That's what the whole book was about. And when you have the old book with the cover on it too, the old cover to the hardback, the, the ones that generally fall apart, the leaflet type cover. You see the congratulations from all the top news papers of his day and the magazines congratulating him for coming out and being brave and saying all and all that. And all through the book he's talking about too many people and ways to, to sterilize them and take them down and too many of them. That shows you how, how the establishment of Britain was at the end after, even right through the 1950s when the book was written. And uh, that was your thank you for all the guys that, that died to fight uh, a war, you see, to to keep Britain free, uh, or something like that. And to keep their culture and their way of life and everything that was dear to them. And only come back and watch it being given away by the same governments that, that supposedly represented them. They never figured that out. Same thing happened in the States, you know, every other country. Y'all get used and abused. All Commonwealth countries did, Australia, New Zealand and so on. And you never figure it out. You still go right back to the same thing again, over and over and over. <laughs> Just the right word is given to you, to make you proud, you know. And away you go and do it again. Never learn. And then you, you watch them, as I say, use your own countries as an example to the world. 
uh, of having fewer children and being good citizens. The Western world's awfully good at it. And you, you, sure enough, they had all these different books churned out of, of statistics, statistics. That's you're getting social statistics, eh? And, uh, and they'd show you that, that, that most folk now, if the marriage ones were only have maybe one or two children. I remember two as replacement, man and woman, you know, and two children. That's replacement level. One child is, you're, you're having it, eh? <laughs> replacement level. So you're all good citizens, but then in the 60s and even the late 50s, actually in the 50s and 60s, they just opened the door to mass migration. And the citizens are shaking their heads and say, what's going on? There's not a lot of work for the folk here. It was not, nothing to do with that. It, it was a world agenda. How are you going to point to your own country to participate in literally voluntary or involuntary sterilization down the road? If need be, for sustainability in the planet. If you're coping well with your population level, can't have that. So you've got to appear as overpopulated as every other country. This is a world agenda. China agreed to the same agreements with, with Britain and, and the States and Canada. If you read the, the speeches, most folk don't given out by the presidents of China. They talk about that, that they're holding the West to the agreements for population control. For reduction, <laughs> it's, uh, but there you go. And then they make it the most favoured nation trading status, you know, for China. So they can they can get away with paying uh, no import duties when they push your stuff through your your borders to sell. Great deal that fifteen years, and then another fifteen years if you say you you have to made up your money. All the companies that you paid to transport over to China. Uh, literally, sometimes entire factories are retooling them over in China and, and machinery you now shipped over to China by private companies by the agreements under the free trade agreements with China and the GATT treaty and so on. And we paid for all. So you lost all the jobs. You paid for all their shipping over there. They got 15 years free of no tax paid on anything that they sold, and if they said they didn't make, make enough profit after the move, they could apply for another 15 years. It's 30 years free, no taxes. And then they can, under, this, under the special agreements with China, they can ship all the products to you over in the West and sell it for high prices, but massive profits because they're using cheap, cheap, cheap labor. And you all buy it, you're all happy to get cheap things, you see. You ever wonder why when things come in from, if you order them, you know, from China directly, it's so cheap, huh? Because see, your taxpayers here are paying for it under the agreements. Because they're still classed as an emerging nation. That's probably the most, the same with, with India right now, eh? So you finance them through your, your tax money. You finance businesses to come up and, and arise in their countries. You finance some of the hospital building and education. And through these talks years ago from their own articles at the CFR and who helped draft up, actually they admitted that they did draft up these agreements themselves. In 2005 they admitted to that on television Canada. They drafted up the organization that became the European Union that everybody signed on to eventually, but they'd already planned it long before that from 1948 and they said that to be kept secret from the public that they were going to amalgamate the nations into a singular government that was the plan of it that's all being exposed now and declassified now you see but not at the time you, you live in, a, in the myths from a big myth making machine promulgated by the talking heads that you've, you've been trained to believe and they keep you living in a la-la lands, a fantasy, really. And definitely false paradigms. Oh, wow, well, definitely false reasons. Just like the COVID. Yeah? You all live through it. Don't forget it. I mean, it's not, it's only been supposedly a year so far. Yeah? It broke out last November and China was told that they thought it was earlier than that now and yada, yada, yada. 
be for a year of it. And you, you all heard the same stuff initially with Fauci. Oh, and, and probably Americans won't even notice it. and They won't need any precautions or masks. And, and then, of course, they get together. Oh, 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 yeah, we've got a big agenda here on the go, really. And let's change our opinion. And you must wear masks and you, you, you must get locked down. And, and then you had the reset from the Davos Group of how they must reset the value of your currencies and basically half it to what it was already. It was, it was down 40% by the last reset, and that was 2007 and eight. you know. So they, they, then they, they, they should be a purchasing power, so you need more, more dollars to get the same amount of things. And now you must do the same thing again until eventually your dollar currency becomes like the peso or whatever. You take milk so many thousands for a cup of coffee. And that's, that's the devaluation of currency. It's not a big, but it's also to do with the management system. It's not, you understand they could keep the old system going for as long as they wanted since they print the money out of nothing anyway. And if they, and again, the same magicians that they surround the Federal Reserve in the States, as an example, decide what the value of the currencies, like the purchasing power is going to be. And since it's been based on nothing for goodness knows how long, they could have kept it at the same level for as long as they wanted to, really. Sure they could. But now, this, the change now is to make you go into sustainability by bringing it into austerity, the same talks I gave many, many years ago. Huh? And then mass vaccinations, which I gave back in the 90s, eh? and then early 2000s. You're living through an agenda. And, and the COVID thing, don't, don't forget it. Oh, it's, it's only be a few weeks to look. There may be a week or two, you know, as they talk to the children. And all the talking heads in the media, it's only for a couple of, what's your problem? And it will save lives, you see. No evidence to end, they tell you, but it, it doesn't matter. Authority just makes it up as it goes along. But the, but then, of course, the, oh, another few weeks. Oh, well, another. And so they lock you up until the summer, and then they give you a few weeks off. Like I said, they would back in France. They said, they'll give you a few weeks off in the summer to break the tension. And then they had to, because they had, they had planned the riots in the States and so on. All organized. They're not just in the States, but all organized way before that. You know, obviously. In Britain, for goodness sake. For things that happened in America. No, no, it's all planned that way. And, uh, and then, you, so, so you had the, the folk protesting, you know, they didn't bother with the masks, and, or if they did, even, even if they there didn't, they were, they were, they weren't born about social distancing and so on. And that was okay, because the virus is very accommodating, as I've mentioned before. And it realizes that you, it's got to allow justice to continue and fairness, you see. And there's certain folk that the, the virus knows are just bad people should be wearing masks. And other people are, are good folk that are just out for social justice that, that don't really have to wear the masks and things like that. Apart from that, you know, I mean, with all the fireworks that go on and burning buildings, the masks might go up to fire as well. You wouldn't want that. So you're living through a farce, a planned farce. Otherwise, again, through philosophy and logic, would, the same things would apply to all peoples under all same circumstances. You can't have people who are impervious to the laws uh, and then as you subjugate others uh, uh, to, to the laws that really tie them down. Hmm? Can't do it. But they're doing it. And of course you've noticed, it's, it's no surprise, they've, re- they've really have been going after the Christian churches and the Christians groups and so on, really big time. They're easy targets, they're decent people, you see. And uh, they won't fight back, hey? They won't fight back. And uh, they keep finding them, and the cops are quite happy to do it because they know they're quite safe persecuting Christians. No one's going to harm the cops, you see. But uh, but there you go. The same cops might do. They've been through the riots in states and different places, and and watched uh, businesses getting burned down. Black businesses do getting burned down, as well as white, and called them protests. Eh? But uh, well, there you go, you know. The virus. This is an intelligent virus. Very intelligent. It knows too not not to go after, not to annoy rich people. This virus. It, it won't annoy them, and it will help them. You see, it knows that its masters want to close down and eradicate all small businesses, which has been awfully good at with COVID, and the government telling them you can't earn money anymore. But they allow the big, big, massive chains, see? 
to supply all the basic needs, basic, remember, like food. Uh, what an intelligent virus. So, you, yeah, if you went into a little store somewhere, or even an open air place, you, to get vegetables, you might spread that virus. The virus just knows, oh, it's not happy, it's going to go berserk and, and contaminate people. But in a big, big, massive store with lots of people in it, uh, with the proper names, these proper store names, you know, it won't do that. That's intelligent. That's a really intelligent virus, isn't it? This shows you how they can cram such an intelligence into such a tiny, tiny microscopic thing. Even sub-microscopic in some cases, uh, the size this thing's supposed to be. But there you go, eh? this shows you. And it also knows, it knows that it's allowed to go after you. It must be the rules. I guess someone must have decided the rules for this virus. Maybe they had a negotiation like they had with aliens, eh? <laughs> and, and said, you know, people have to eat. And a lot of folk eat out, especially in America. And we have to teach them, again, to go back in austerity and give them basic things like how to boil an egg, if we can even, if we'll even allow them to get protein down the road, we don't really want that, right? We'll want to go into a proteinless world, you see, like we had before the Industrial Revolution. You start to get a picture, they keep telling you they want to bring it like the, 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 the groups at uh, Sustainability, the Club of Rome, all, all these different, same groups all connected together, you see, climate change, too many people, that was the excuse you know, for sustainability. They want to take you into a pre-industrial age. Well, yeah, what, what, what you, when do you think that'll be going back to, huh? Well, it'll be before electricity. It'll be before, probably before the steam engine. Most folk were stunted in their, I gave the talks again back in the nineties on WWCR. And I mentioned that, says so that's where the idea of the little people came. That was the big joke of the elite. That's been copied by someone else who copied my bio. <laughs> but anyway, they talked about, they come the little people. And the little people were little because they often never hit five feet, by the way. Because they never had meat in their lifetime or very, very seldom. If they were caught even poaching a rabbit on a lord's land, they could be hung. And eventually, or are deported to Australia. Not kidding you. And so they mainly vegetables and barleys and so on. Grain, eh? That's the little people. The peasantry. The nobility on all countries were like giants to them. Tall. Look at Henry VIII, he's over six feet. Eh? And huge, huge build, skeletal system. High protein diet descended from a peoples of nobility who had high protein diets and meat. Who would scoff eating vegetables in fact. And that was, but that's how they did it folks. So you're going to go back to a pre-industrial, you're starting to get some little ideas how it's going to work out here. Huh? And, and there's, there's your, your, the Davos group, and then there's the, the different climate change accord groups and so on, that all attend the meetings every year at the Paris Agreement, the Conference of Parties, they call it, the COPs. And they, and they, uh, they decide about how you're going to live in the future, which is, is to go down the hill, step by step, big giant leaps now, and to eradicate energies, electricity, or to really reduce it, your smart meters, you've got, you'll get it rationing and you're going to be cut off automatically by our smart meter. Nobody complained to, well, well, it's not, I'm sorry, sir, can't I help you? You won't get a human person to talk to. It's all done by computer systems. Robotic. You've exceeded your limit for the week. And further rationing is going to make it even worse next month, sir. Yada yada. That's what it's supposed to be. I give, I've given these talks before, lectures on sustainability and austerity, from the sources years ago. And here we are, eh? And under the guise, they can convince the victims that it's, it's good for the environment, it's good for humanity to eradicate all poultry and meat and everything and eggs and so you, they've trained a generation who'll do it quite happily and go into starvation. <laughs> yeah. 
clear. You can go around. This is not, this is not conspiracy theory, folks. What do you think sustainability means? Look into it. Look into the Club of Rome and sustainability and austerity. Come on here. Look into the Davos Group. Look into the WEF, World Economic Forum. And Mr. Schwab, or sorry, Slob, is it Slob or Schwab? I never elected this character who wears his little space jackets. Have you ever seen his space jackets? He wears one snap. Well, it's because he's transhumanist. <laughs> With a big club of the richest folk on the planet, by no way. A world of monitoring from birth to death, generation, and until we're all gone, and there's no more of your generations, you see. Quite open about it, too. No such thing as privacy. For you, it's forbidden. I can remember with the internet. And they came out with Wikipedia and so on, and they, and immediately, as they started to put up, you know, the celebrities up, you know, the, the important folk, you know, the folk who, you know, really important to your, your existence are celebrities. And, uh, and of course a lot of fake stuff and it, who cares? But the fact is, they had a, I, I can't remember the name of the law and the bill they put forward in Britain and elsewhere, then they put it across some world agreement with ICANN or something. But they could keep all the, 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 the important folks, their stuff secret from the general public. You all get hammered, and so, but they all have total privacy. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice, eh? All you folk who vote <laughs> and you're in a free society. Isn't that really nice? Eh? Your classless system, eh? Mm-hmm. 